0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So I've been given as my passage for this Father's Day. Um, Perhaps... Some of the most famous verses in the whole book. Verses that even if you come along this morning and you're not particularly religious, you don't read your Bible, you've just been dragged along because you are a dad or something like that, you'll know these words well. And uh, let me read these words from Matthew chapter 6 that I'm going to speak about and tell me you don't know them. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's probably the greatest prayer that's ever prayed, but it's also a model for prayer. Uh, Catholics, our Catholic brothers and sisters call it the Our Father. In our tradition of church, we tend to call it the Lord's Prayer. Neither of them are great names, really. Because it's actually the disciples' prayer. It's our prayer. It, it, It was actually in Luke's gospel. It tells us that the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. Jesus has something about your prayer life that's different and dynamic and relational. You teach us how to pray, Jesus. And so Jesus taught them how to pray by offering them this model prayer. And at the time, it was a pretty outrageous prayer. To pray our Father in Jesus' day was pretty, well, nothing short of scandalous. You know, Jesus uh, ministered and brought these guys along in a massively religious society. They were Jews, strict Jews. And we sang, didn't we, a little bit early on, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name. Yeah. But Jews weren't allowed to shout the name of Jesus. Of Yahweh, Jews weren't allowed to shout the name Yahweh. They weren't even allowed to say that name. It was considered so holy, the name God had given himself in the Old Testament, Yahweh, that they weren't even allowed for that holy name to pass their lips. And that was a society, that's the culture that Jesus, Jesus came along and said, when you pray, I want you to pray Father. Actually, perhaps even more amazing than that, he didn't just say pray Father, he said pray Abba. I've been out to Israel. If you go to Israel, you'll hear little kids, and it's a beautiful thing actually for a Christian, you'll hear little kids going, babies, tiny ones, tots, going Abba, Abba. It's one of the first things that a baby says in Israel, a Jewish kid is Abba, daddy, literally dad. Jesus said, when you pray, pray Abba. Like a little child coming to his father in utter dependence, Paul, the greatest theologian who's ever ever lived, wrote the greatest book of theology under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the book of Romans in the Bible. And he said this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And when you become a Christian, you receive the Spirit of God and you're led by the Spirit of God. So you're a child of God. And the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear, But rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption and you cry to him, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. I mean, that's the enormous, astonishing blessing of being a Christian, that we can know God Almighty is our dad, a good, good father who's for us, not against us who wants a relationship with us. And it's a relationship that Jesus made possible. Big difference between Christianity and any other religion, any other way, any other faith is we're all about relationship. Every other religion is about rules. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to jump through these hoops, you've got to follow this path, and you never quite know whether you've done enough to please God. It's all about doing stuff. Christianity is very different. Christianity is all about what Jesus did. It's done, what he did on the cross. And let me tell you something really amazing. And if this is the only thing you learn this morning, it's worth coming out. It's worth getting up early on a Sunday morning. Jesus prayed 26 prayers in the New Testament. Every single prayer he prayed, he started the prayer with Father, with Abba. He prayed this. He didn't just teach this, he lived this. Every time we hear Jesus pray, 25 times, except for one time. There's one time when Jesus didn't pray Abba. It was as he hung on the cross, being punished for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserve. And as he he went through the horrible agony of being punished for our sins, you know what he prayed? He prayed, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? What a terrible thing. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, was abandoned by his Father for you and me. The relationship, that perfect relationship, the relationship of of freedom and joy and revelation and just being one. Jesus said, everything I do, the Father tells me to do. I do nothing without the Father. Me and the Father are one. When you see the Father, you see me. On the cross, that was shattered for you and me. I mean, that's the sort of thing that ought to make Christians say Hallelujah. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. On the cross, Jesus took the punishment. He was abandoned so we don't have to be. The relationship was restored. We were made right. I can never be good enough for God. No about i waving in front of churches and rapping for Jesus as a yeah. stupid young man in, in the green PVC. That's not going to earn my way to heaven, is it? <laughs> Certainly not. But I can be right with God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. He was abandoned, separated from the Father so I don't have to be. So I can pray, Father, too. I can know God as my personal Father. Christianity's all about relationship. Yeah. It's the most important question we can ever ask, perhaps, is the question the disciples asked there 2,000 years ago of Jesus. Jesus, teach us how to pray teaches how to pray to this Father because praying people change the world. You know that, don't you? When you pray, pray, prayer changes you, but it also changes the world around you. So we pray because prayer changes things, but we also pray because God loves to hear from his kids. He's a personal relationship with God. Relationship through what Christ did on the cross is what God wants for all of us. So I want to spend a few minutes this morning just sharing about how do we pray in order to see change in ourselves and positive change in the world around us. I mean, we want to know. People want to know this stuff. The bookshops are still full of books about prayer. There are more Christian books published about prayer than anything else. There's always a massive market. It's like this ache inside. We want to know. Can we really know God? Can he really change us? And is there this power in prayer? I mean, people have said, uh, you know, even atheists pray at times of trial, don't they? Something happens in us in prayer. And I read this, love this. One of the things me and Michelle do, done it for many years, is that we get this little free devotional centres from UCB. And, uh, And it's really precious. Sometimes it's amazing how... This little reading we read every day and pray at the start of our day can speak to us. Other times, it's just okay. I have this theory, and me and Michelle have a little... Because it says at the front, um, written by Bob and Debbie Gass. And if it's not a very good guy, I just go to Michelle, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, Friday, Bob was definitely writing this is looking for home. Get this, we are citizens of heaven. Every year, Pacific salmon, having lived five to six years in the ocean, suddenly get the urge to return to the headwaters of their birth river. How amazing is that, isn't it? Battling fishermen, bears and giant hydroelectric dams, they fight their way upstream, determined to reach their home. Scientists don't know how the salmon make their way back to the exact river in which they were born. After being in the ocean for several years, some think it's because they can taste or smell the fresh water from that very river. Regardless of how they do it, we know they don't use charts and compasses. Their journey is intuitive. They have a longing for a particular river, and it can't be satisfied until they find it. How awesome is that, don't you think? All across the creation, there's pictures of our amazing creator God. I mean, just look at the world and tell me there's not a designer behind it. But anyway, these amazing salmon find the way and it's happening all over the world. And that's exactly how it is with us. God created us for heaven and for relationship with him. And nothing in this life will satisfy fully that longing. That's why we've got this ache. That's why we want to know. And sometimes in lives, it's stronger than at other times, but God has placed eternity in us all. God, we want to know about this prayer stuff. We want to know about a relationship with God. He's placed that in us and it's an ache. And sometimes we have to fight to get through it through all the cactus around us in life. But when we get there, it's a prize beyond measure. Reading books about prayer won't really do the job. Even listening to some arm-waving bloke at the front preaching about prayer, to learn truly about prayer. We've got to pray, haven't we? And within the prayer in question, when Jesus was asked, teach us to pray, is a perfect model for prayer, a pattern for prayer, a pattern to get a divine conversation started that will change you and will change the world around you. You watch. And literally, if you take up this pattern for prayer, you will not be the same person in 12 months' time. Not just you won't be the same, your family won't be the same, your workplace won't be the same, this city won't be the same, this nation, because you've been gripped by the most powerful force in the universe, praying to the living God and living on the back of it. Six steps then, from this passage in the Bible, from this model prayer towards life-changing, world-changing prayer. I almost called it in honor of Schwadzi Wadi, six steps to heaven. <laughs> but I didn't think it was so funny, and I wasn't even gonna say it. But, uh, so the first step towards life-changing, world-changing prayer is you connect with God relationally as Father. Jesus said, Pray our Father. He's a good, good Father. He's for you, not against you. He wants a relationship with you. He's on your side. He's working all circumstances together. Even the hardest things, again and again, I've seen it happen for our good and his glory. We come to him as father. We trust him. Your father may be rubbish. I don't know what, there's plenty of fathers who don't do a great job. Maybe even people in this church, your experience of a human father has been rubbish. My heavenly father's perfect and he's wonderful and he's glorious and he's for us. And we can come to him with confidence and we can share our deepest thoughts. We can tell him what's on our heart. He wants to know us personally and he doesn't just want to hear us speaking to him. He wants to speak to us. Primarily the way he'll speak to us is through this book. As we start to take Bible reading seriously, we get into his word And he speaks to us and he's written everything we need for life and godliness into this book. But he'll also speak to you through other Christians. He'll he'll give you dreams and visions and about once or twice in your life, you may even hear the audible voice of God. Careful if you hear it all the time, you've probably gone nuts. (laughs) But uh, occasionally, I know people who've literally at times of great crisis, great breakthrough times, heard the voice of God. God can speak. He's a God who wants relationship. The second thing, the second step towards life-changing and world-changing prayer is you worship him as holy. Hallowed be your name. We're not holy on our own, he is. But he makes us holy, he makes us right, he forgives our sins. Only holy people can go to heaven and I'm going. I I mean, get used to it, I'm going to be there. (laughs) I'll look a lot better than this. I mean, you recognise it as me, but you're like, Andy's got hair. And a six-pack. Look at him, he's beautiful. But it is Andy. And he can make us holy and make us right. And we focus on him, our awesome creator God. We worship him as holy, maybe even we stick some worship music on just to help us focus. And we start to pray very different types of prayer. Our prayer life isn't just all wrapped up in our own little needs. It's 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 Captivated by him and his heart and his glory and his power. We, we come to him and connect with him relationally as father, but we also worship him as holy. And then we pray for his agenda. We pray for God's agenda. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a place, and you'll see me there in a hundred years' time. It's a place where there's no sadness, no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Occasionally on this earth, we get a down payment of that place. We get a down payment. Occasionally, heaven breaks into earth. Occasionally, healing comes and joy comes and freedom and the sense of God. The Bible talks in Ephesians about the Spirit of God giving us a down payment, guaranteeing our full inheritance. And we get that this side of heaven, but we don't get the full measure. Even the most raving, arm-waving, charismatic is only getting not 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, not 0, 0, recurring 1% of all that God's got for us on that day we're going to heaven it's going to be amazing but Christian people who pray who understand prayer do draw down heaven to earth and there are more encounters and there's more healing and there's more breakthrough and there's more joy and there's more overcoming there's heavenly stuff breaking in through people who understand prayer you little you pray on earth as it is in heaven Jesus said That's God's will, God's agenda. Yes, we struggle through this life so often, but when heaven breaks in, it makes it all worthwhile. And we have that glimpse. You see, a Christian's hope is not like, oh, I hope it happens. You know, it might hope England win the World Cup. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a happy certainty, the Christian hope. I know I'm going to heaven. I've got the Spirit of God in my heart. I've got the down payment. He's proved himself faithful over 40 plus years. I've got this confidence. And the fourth step towards life-changing and world-changing prayer is this. Give us this day our daily bread. Yes, we make our needs known to him. He invites us to. As long as we get the model right. And can I encourage you to start to use this in your own personal devotions? You know, don't we start our prayers so often? We'd give us this day our daily bread. Don't you think? I can't help myself. I'm so wrapped up in my own little sad world. You know, my own little needs, my family needs, my my financial needs, this and that. I come straight, oh, give us this day our daily bread. If we started with our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What different prayers would be praying? We'd have such a confidence, such an expectation as we make our needs known to him. God not only wants to know you, but he does want to meet your deepest needs. Don't tell the Lord you need a Ferrari. No, you don't. The Lord's quite happy for you to have a Fiat Punto. it will get you to church. you can pick up some kids for safer families for children. they will give you what you need. Not, you're, not your greeds. We sometimes spend spell need W-A-N-T, don't we? But the Lord promises to meet your deepest needs. The deepest need, that deep need to be loved and accepted and right. Your deepest need, God, give us this day our daily bread. And it's not just talking about food on the table. Bread is the very substance of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. That's the daily bread that Jesus wants to give you. So yes, your needs are met. And actually, when your needs are met, God gives you more than enough because he expects you to bless others. You know, my needs are far greater than Andy, Michelle, Sam, Beth, my mother-in-law, whatever it is. You know, oh, we've got to look after these people. My needs are so much bigger than that because I want to be a giver. You know, I I need the over and the top, don't I? So I can bless and be generous towards other people. And God gives us that when we come to him in this attitude. I mean, I'm staggered as I look back on the history of the message. It costs six and a half million pounds now to run the message just in the UK. Plus many, you know, loads more in Germany and South Africa and Canada and growing all over the world. And every month we look at this 250,000 pound mountain. You know, we know where half of it's coming from, but half of it we haven't got a clue. And at the end of each financial year, I'm like, how did that even happen? How want you to God orchestrate all those little things. And so often in the message, we, we, we pray about finances and the, and the finance flows. And then we stop praying about I'm not saying you should be obsessed with praying about finances. You're just constantly thankful and bring, meet our needs. And we pray about finances. Anybody who's worked for the message, and quite a few of you do and have in the past, you'll know about this. We start to pray and remarkable things happen. I mean, the times we've had checks for Six, even seven figures when we'd be stuffed without it. And it's like, how did that even happen? Because he's a good, good father. And we get on his agenda and do his work his way. He provides wonderfully for us. But there is, however, a fifth step that we need to take very, very seriously. Fifth step is this forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. We give forgiveness to others and receive forgiveness from God. We've received in Jesus, I've just talked about it earlier on, extravagant, crazy grace. Grace is just undeserved love. As if I deserve forgiving. As if I deserve heaven, a relationship with God. But God loves people like me and you. He loves every person he's ever made. And he wants to pour his grace into our lives. If we'll just accept it, But we can't receive that kind of grace, that kind of forgiveness and keep it to ourselves. And I believe nothing can stunt our growth as Christians and limit the effectiveness of our prayer like unforgiveness, like lack of forgiveness towards others who've hurt us. Offence, somebody called it the bait of Satan. It's like a hook that he puts in your mouth and pulls you away from God. And honestly, I realise that many people in this church may have been through far worse things that I've been through. You may have been deeply hurt. People may have treated you appallingly. But honestly, in Jesus, you can know the amazing freedom of being a forgiver. Yes. God can give you power and it can be a journey. But my heart is not just to receive forgiveness, but to distribute it. Even to those who've truly hurt me. And God can give you power to do that. And you set yourself free by the power of Jesus. You're suddenly free to pray with open heaven, not tied down by that baggage. That's why Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Let me just pray for a moment. Lord, I really pray. Actually, before I bring this thing into land. Holy Spirit, if there's something there we need to deal with some person, some situation where we need to ask for your help to forgive and as a result be set free. I pray do that work in our heart, Lord. Change us and let us be people who shower your grace all over this world. Amen. So I said there were six points. And as we journey through the five steps, connect with God relationally as father we worship him as holy we pray for his agenda we bring our needs to God and we forgive ask for forgiveness of course that's part of our prayer allowing the holy spirit to illuminate what's wrong with us and and turning our back on it and going the opposite way and then we pour forgiveness out on others we find that something remarkable happens it's yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen basically we engage in spiritual warfare with bold confidence you know ordinary people like me and you suddenly become fearful in the hands of the living god we we start to see situations and governments And economies and crazy things happen because God's people are praying. It's happening all over the world, literally. I have quite a few friends in Uganda, and for a long time, Uganda was the epicenter of the global AIDS crisis. It was like a a plague beyond plague. It was killing millions, and the, the government who new Christian government called 40 days of prayer and fasting and the church cried out to heaven and there was this remarkable turnaround. I mean, the miracle, you know, is still great needs in Uganda, but in terms of what it was to what it is now, as God's people got serious about engaging in spiritual warfare, moved to heaven with bold confidence, prayed the kind of prayers were meant to pray. You see, there is, I don't know whether if you're new to all this, this may sound weird to you, but I don't think it probably will. There is a spiritual battle going on all around us. There are powers of good and evil. I mean, you can't look at some of the things that are going on in this world and deny that. Sometimes we get a glimpse of it. Interestingly, isn't it? In, in countries where there's great poverty and great needs and great reliance on God, the battle seems to be much more visible. You know, you go to Africa and parts of South America, it's really in-your-face demons and all sorts of weird dark... I think in our materialistic consumer-driven culture, Satan's a little bit more subtle, actually. He's happy for us just to chase after things and think they'll make us happy. But this is what the Bible says. Our struggle... Ephesians 6 is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a battle going on. All over the world, all kind of wickedness is prevailing because Christians aren't praying the way they should. Do you realise that? We can get hold of heaven. We can pray with bold confidence we can, as we connect with God as Father and we worship Him as holy, we pray in line with His agenda, we make His need known to us, we seek forgiveness for ourselves and others and boom, we're ready, people. We're ready to be positioned where God wants us to be, to see this city change. It's why this prayer meeting is so flipping important and if you didn't get your phone out before, get it out now. Whatever you're doing, cancel what you're doing as we come together as God's people to cry out, God, bring change. We are not happy that so many kids in our city are self-harming and committing suicide. We are not happy that on our doorstep there's people trafficking and rampant addiction and brokenness and family lives breaking down. No, in the name of Jesus, we say. No, Jesus. No, come on, let your kingdom come. Let heaven break in. Let us position ourselves where we're meant to be as the people of God who see change in Jesus' name. And some of you are called specially to be intercessors. Yeah. I mean, we're all called to pray. If we all did this, like I say, in a year's time, every day, if we put time aside for this, we wouldn't recognize ourselves and we wouldn't recognize our family and our workplace and our friends. What God does through an ordinary man or woman who gets hold of the power and the authority in prayer. But some of us have a special call to get into that secret place. I know I'm here because people prayed. So over 40 years ago, I went to the Keswick Convention. I'd had this massive encounter with God and given my life to God as a 17-year-old. And you know, Keswick Convention, I thought was like in heaven. 5,000 Christians, you know, there was 5,000 Christians in Britain I and mean, we're all under this banner, all one in Christ Jesus and it was like, we sang two hymns, we listened to a 40 minute sermon, I'm taking all my notes and then we sang two more hymns another 40 minute sermon, I was like bring it on, this is amazing and I went on all the stands, you know, all the missionary stands, says, I'm here, where do you want me Papua New Guinea, where do I sign you know, bongo bongo land, take me there for Jesus, nobody wanted me Can you believe it But I was so up for it. But out of that Keswick convention, an old lady came to see me and said, are you Andy? I said, yes I am. You might not have heard of me, but my name's Olive Clark. Oh, my mum's talked about you, Olive. You led her to the Lord, didn't you? And you led Elsie Nicholson across the road and Beryl Miller next door to us and Harthar Street, Ambleton Road, came to Christ through this amazing lady who set up the Young Wives Bible study. Perhaps we need to do it again in young wives' Bible study in the sixties or oh, in fifties, late fifties. This would have been, wouldn't it? But um, we do have one at our house already. Oh, yes, a young wives' Bible study. But uh, but uh, please. But uh, these this amazing lady, Olive Clark, led all these women to the Lord, and then they led the husbands to the Lord, and so many marvelous things have come through her life. Olive Clark. She said, I'm Olive Clark. And I've been praying for you every week. You're on my prayer list. I pray for you all I time. You're a Christian now, young man. I said, oh yeah, I am. Yeah, I've had this amazing encounter. I'm full. and amazing to be at Keswick. Wonderful. What about your brother Simon? Is he a Christian? I pray for him every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a preacher and he's, uh, he's really following. What about your brother Michael? I pray for him every week too. Is he a Christian too? I said, yeah, he is actually. He's, he's uh, going into the ministry oh, that's marvellous, isn't God so good? She said, I had to pray for my old father till he was 86 years old before he became a Christian, the stubborn old beggar. (laughs) And there's this lady just, you know, retired to the Lake District, just praying, crying out to God. And a lot of those names not even know what's happened, but God's working out his purposes. God's doing his thing. The kingdom's advanced, breakthrough's coming. It's the most precious thing in the world. It's what you're called to. And if you don't know it, if you don't know that personal relationship that brings breakthrough in your life and breakthrough all around you, you can start today. God's not hiding himself from anybody. Christian, make a fresh commitment. I'm called to be a person of prayer. I'm going to turn my alarm clock back. I'm going to find some time. I'm going to build into my busy life. You know, Bill Ibels wrote a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. If your life is full, you're too busy not to pray. Why would you want to do this life on your own? So make that choice. Build in and even suggest you use this model prayer as a model for your prayers. It'll be amazing, honestly. But if you're not a Christian today, I want to challenge you as well. Why would you want to miss out on a relationship with God? He died for you. He loves you. He did everything necessary so you can know him as your dad in the heavens. And you can work out his purposes. You surrender your life to him, make him Lord. I'm not going to live for myself. He'll forgive you of your sins. You'll know the freedom of walking with Jesus through every trial. And you'll be in heaven with me. And you too will have hair and six pack. (laughs) So let's all stand together. I'm just going to pray. One of the things we do at The Message is when people give their life to Christ, we give them a Bible, even if you've got a Bible, it's one of the things we love to do. Is we're giving out 10,000 of these Bibles, more than in the last year, you know, to first-time commitments in schools and prisons and loads of churches. So I'd love to do that at the end of the service. If you want to give your life to Christ, just come and see me. It's a special Bible we've had, specially printed with lots of helpful notes and tabs to help you find your way around it. And that I'd love to do that. I believe this is the living Word of God. Yes. I believe it's uh, the most precious thing in the world. This book. You know, I, I, there's no greater gift and no greater privilege than putting it in the hand of somebody who's just committed their life to Christ, like today, and said, okay, I'm in. I don't know everything, but I do know I want to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, there's no way I'll turn them away. So can we just bow our heads, close our eyes for a sec, maybe reflect on the Bible that we've read this morning and how relevant it is to our lives. Thank you, Jesus before God maybe if you're a Christian already just make that decision yes I am going to do I know I've been called to this life of prayer this beautiful rhythm of relationship with God pouring out my love to him and pouring out his love to a world in need challenges and changes and shapers I pray this won't be just a year of prayer but we will be a people of prayer And if you're not a Christian this morning or, or you feel like your relationship with God has gone so cold, you hardly know if you're a Christian anymore, but you want to give your life to Christ and just at the end of the service, come to the front here or go to the message stand and just pick up a free copy of this Bible just as a sign of that. If you're like, I wanna make that decision to follow Jesus, to be in this relationship. I give my life to Christ this morning. Just right where you are, would you just raise your hand? Just put your hand up, pop your hand up and say yes to Jesus. Anyone need to do that this morning? Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to wait a moment. Maybe someone here just needs to say yes to Jesus this morning. I'm in. I'm thoroughly in. Thank you, Lord. Yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. going to wait one more moment because uh, one of the things I've learned is at times like this, and it can be actually a holy moment, you know, really can be like a moment when God encounters people and changes everything. There's lots of resistance and there's a battle going on. So I'm just going to wait one more moment before I pray one big prayer for all of us. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, you just raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Lord for your presence here thank you that you're real and you're for us and you did everything that was necessary so we can have a beautiful relationship with you and we give you all the praise and all the thanks and all the glory help us not to be people who just listen but people who act help me not to be just somebody who spouts it from a stage but fresh measure lives this beautiful life of world changing prayer change us set us on fire as a church I pray Come on, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.